Hi, everybody. Welcome to this Board Game Life episode number 31, titled Lean Mean 2014, recorded on Wednesday, February 20th, 2014. Not in the normal This Board Game Life studios, but rather a hotel room in Detroit. So for this show, we'll be talking about a whole bunch of games, including Trieste, Let Them Eat Shrimp, Uchronia, Asante, Blueprints. I'll go over a game store that I had the pleasure of visiting here in Detroit. And then uh, we'll go into our 20 Shows Ago segment, where uh, it'll take us back to May 2012 with episode 11, where it was titled All Things Feld. So, of course, uh, we'll go over a whole bunch of Feld games that we discussed on that show and then uh, what the thoughts are, uh, at least today, uh, almost two years later. So here we go with the show. And we're back with another episode of This Board Game Life. So good to have you back. I'm Rob, your host for the show. Uh, Before we get on with the the main topics, the main games of the show, let me quickly talk about a couple of the things that have been going on since the last episode, since episode 30. First of all, I want to talk about uh, the data center move that we've uh, recently had with this Xbox Life and this board game life. I don't think I really mentioned it a whole lot on this board game life, but I definitely did on this Xbox Life. And that's that I had the websites, both websites, moved to a new data center. The old server was getting really pokey. We're having some performance issues with the website. Things were just taking all too long to load. The web pages were really pokey, and the administration pages were even worse. So the data center move happened, I want to say, about three weeks ago or so. Things have been improved all the way around. The websites both load fairly quickly, and the web pages uh, that I used to administrate, man, they are much better. So uh, double thumbs up for the uh, successful move. There's a lot of data that got moved. Uh, all the episodes for this Xbox Life, which is uh, over 300 uh, right now, and uh, this board game life, which does, isn't was about a tenth of that. But uh, a lot of data was moved and everything... Uh, was successful and nobody really knew that it happened other than uh, speed improvements. I'm glad that that was done. And lastly, the last episode, I had talked about randomness briefly and I got a really awesome response from Gamer Chris that I wanted to read to everybody. Uh, For those of you that are not familiar with Gamer Chris, uh, Gamer Chris has a podcast and he's got a long running blog. He was actually on the show last year, early last year, as well as a guest host. And uh, Gamer Chris has, has this way of really thoroughly thinking through things and just writing them up just marvelously. And uh, this response that he did for the show is definitely no different. So what he wrote, again, this was about uh, randomness. He writes, I've thought a lot about luck and randomness in games, and I've written about it a couple of times as well as done a podcast on it. So first of all, you're right that randomness and uncertainty are absolutely realistic in most every circumstance. The thing is, most of us don't necessarily play games to experience the real world. If anything, we do it to escape from our very real and sometimes very uncertain life. 
But still, randomness also brings excitement and variability and all sorts of other things to games. So when does it become a problem? It's all about player agency. If a game basically invalidates the choices we make through some random factor, especially if there's little or no effective way for us to prepare, predict, account for, mitigate that randomness, then it gets very frustrating very quickly. Just to quote a little bit from one of my articles, here are some of the things that make randomness a little more palatable in games. So then this is from his article. Uh, He talks about three things. Granularity. Granularity refers to how small the bits are, and in this case, how big of an impact any single random event can have on the game. For example, it's unusually or it's usually okay to have a card game where you draw new cards each turn. You then have the chance to see the cards, integrate them into your strategy, and make adjustments as needed. But if you're but if you only drew one new card all game long, and what you drew made the difference between winning and losing, then you wouldn't feel like your choices had any relevance at all. Then he writes about probability. Randomness is also more acceptable when you can make an educated guess about how likely certain things are to happen. If you choose to go against the odds, then you're putting yourself more at the whim of chance. But you can also choose to be safer and pick the more probable choice. And lastly, mitigation. This is often tied to granularity and the scale of impact from the random events. But more specifically, this addresses the ability for a player to recover from a negative event. If one unlucky die roll completely destroys your chance of winning, then you'll become disinterested in the game. But if there's some way for you to overcome or roll with the impact of the event, you can remain engaged with what's going on. That's some great. Res- that's a great response there, uh, Chris. Thanks so much for writing it. And uh, as always, you're right on. Um, thanks so much. All right, so let's get rolling with the games. The first game that I want to talk about is Trieste. This game was released in uh, 2013 by Victory Point Games. It was designed by Matthew Ma. It plays three players and three players only. Uh, the games run about 25 minutes or so, and uh, the game's for ages 13 and up. What kind of game is this? This is a, a card game, essentially a hand management game, where you have three different decks. It's a three-player game, again, uh, where you have three different decks, three unique decks, which is what games uh, makes this game really, really interesting. A quick rundown is uh, each of the three decks, which is a, a different... I don't know what you call it, uh, a different character. Uh, there's three of them, City Watch, there's uh, Thieves, and Merchants. Each has its own unique deck and victory conditions. Turns are played out simultaneously, which is uh, a great thing right there. And each player selects an action without knowing the actions chosen by the opponents. There's, uh, again, three different characters in the game. There's a City Watch where the player levies taxes on the merchant player and patrols the streets for the thief, looking to fill the city's jail 
with the bad guys. Players in the role of the merchant are out to uh, cut deals and line their coffers in the quest uh, for untold riches. And then as the thief, that player is attempting to basically steal coins from the merchant while earning uh, what they call infamy and uh, the respect of the foxtail gang, which is a secretive society of sorts. Now, this game was quite a surprise for me. It's a game that uh, I got from Victory Point Games. Uh, I don't want to say not knowing a whole lot about the game, but I, I knew it was a card game, and I knew it was for three players. But the thing that I really didn't know about the game is how much fun it was, and this really surprised me. This game uh, is one of the new uh, Victory Point games that are not in the bags anymore. They come in the little boxes, and the box is uh, pretty much about the same size as some of the other uh, smaller games. I believe it was, yeah, it's about the same size as uh, Humanity's Last Gasp. Now, the card quality is uh, pretty nice. It's a little bit better than your average card game. Is a Victory Point game cards tend to be a little on the on the thicker side so uh, definitely good quality components uh, the box is nice cause it's it's not a bag and uh, the cards are, are good quality and uh, that's really about it because you get just cards in the game the rules are pretty easy to read uh, there's not much in the way of rules because the game is actually pretty simple the goal of the game is uh, to score the most victory points that is necessary for the player that you're playing and what do i mean by that well for the thief what you're looking to do is you're looking to score nine infamy cards then the city watch their whole goal is to capture seven thieves and the merchant's main goal is to get 11 coins so one has infamy One's looking to catch the bad guys. So in the City Watch is kind of like cops. They're looking to catch the bad guys, the thieves, and then the merchants basically looking to score as much money as they can. As far as the game goes, it's actually pretty simple to learn. It's really like, it's it's not, I don't know if you would call it asymmetrical because it's really a three different games kind of all in one. It's in a game like Netrunner. You have the hackers and you have the corporations. This one is three-sided. So each character kind of is looking to gain something different, which is really cool. It's something that you don't see very often in the game, especially a three-player game. Each character is looking to get something different, and they're looking to guard against something different. So you can't really have the same strategy among players because everybody's essentially playing a different game. The one thing that is kind of a bummer about this game is that it is a three-player game. This is something that I kind of struggle with because three-player games are kind of like the odd number, in, in, at least in my gaming situations, because my gaming situations tend to be either two, four, or five for the most part. So three is that really weird uh, number that is, is kind of rough for me to get to the table because if you're not playing with just three, so if you're, okay, if you're playing with two people or you and someone else, of course you can't really do this game, uh, I guess, unless somebody plays two people. And if you have four people, 
you really can't play it either because now somebody's out. You know, they're kind of like odd man out. With five-player game, I suppose you could do a three and a two, but usually the gaming groups tend to just go for some game that plays with five players and ultimately just takes way too long <laughs> because that seems to be the trend for most five-player games, at least for my tolerance of games. So uh, that was like the main con of the game, and just that it's three-player only. But other than that, it, it's such an interesting game. What you basically wind up doing is you have a deck of cards and you have money cards. The money cards are in, in denominations from anywhere from one to four. And you'll use those money cards in your hand to buy other cards and uh, basically put them out on the table. Uh, there's actions and and different things that you would do to affect other players. And again, you play the cards simultaneously. So everybody puts the cards down. You really don't know what the other people are doing. And you flip the cards over and you always go through. There's a specific order that everything is enumerated. And it's always the same order. Now, you've, you've got the coins. You've got the cards. You're able to... Uh, influence people in, in all sorts of different ways, make things cost more for them, take cards out of their hand, all sorts of fun stuff. So there's a little bit of kind of take that in between the different players, but it's such a fresh, innovative way. It's something, it's something that I haven't seen uh, outside of Netrunner. So it's, it's kind of like taking the Netrunner asymmetric game and one-upping it for a three-player and I love the art on this game. I love the game altogether. I have heard in uh, other reviews that you really need to give the game a couple of tries before you kind of get it. I enjoyed it for my first try. Uh, and everybody in the group kind of liked it as well, although I think I enjoyed it a little bit more than some of the other members of, that were playing. But uh, I, I definitely give this game a thumbs up. Who would like this game? Uh, if you like card games, if you like Netrunner, definitely give this uh, game a try if you play with three players uh, quite a bit then uh, definitely give this one a shot the game's pretty inexpensive easy to obtain through uh, a couple of different sources including victory point games and uh, it's definitely got a lot of replayability uh, is it a deep game uh, probably not it's not definitely hardcore euro material but it's much better than a filler game and it plays fairly quickly in uh, the 25 minutes that uh, they rate the game at. And I'd say that's probably pretty much right right on there. So uh, this, uh, yeah, that's Trieste. I, I definitely uh, recommend the game. I like the game a whole lot. I just wish I could get it to the table a lot more. Just that I, I keep talking about the three-player only deal, and uh, I don't say it's a deal-breaker for me, but it just makes the game so hard to play. It's almost like... You know how some of the games that you might have just take forever to play, where a game might be four hours or more. This almost is kind of like in that same category of those games are so hard to get to the table because of the time length. This game's hard to get to the table just because of the, the player count. And again, your group can be different. Uh, hopefully it is. But uh, Trieste, double thumbs up from me. And uh, thanks Victory Point Games for making such a fun little game. The next game I want to talk about is Let Them Eat Shrimp. This is a game that is currently on Kickstarter. 
It's uh, designed by Steve Finn of Dr. Finn's Games. If you're not familiar with uh, Steve Finn and Dr. Finn's Games, uh, they've done a whole bunch of uh, really awesome games, including Gunrunners and Biblios. Biblios is probably the game that everybody's most familiar with. Uh, A couple others are Scripts and Scribes, which is kind of like Biblios, and also the um, Scripts and Scribes, the dice game. Uh, This is a game for two to five people, ages eight and up. It plays in about 20 minutes or so. It's a uh, tile placement board game. Quick rundown uh, is that uh, you swim, spawn, and eat shrimp while avoiding sharks and let them eat shrimp. Players place fish tiles into various geometric shapes in an effort to spawn by covering fish eggs on the board and receive more fish tiles. The fish can also eat shrimp to gain victory points and must avoid sharks, which will eat your fish, fish eggs, and shrimp. So in this game, you have um, a couple of boards that you place uh, down on the table, and uh, there's a couple different configurations that you can use. The boards will have uh, triangles all over them, uh, basically all just uh, lumped together, and Uh, Across some of these triangles, you'll have uh, different uh, aquatic creatures. There's uh, shrimp, there's uh, starfish, there's the uh, sharks, and so forth. And what you do is you start off the game. Oh, you have four different uh, shapes of tiles. You have hexagons, you have... Uh, quadrangles, you have diamonds and triangles. And what you're doing is every turn, you'll place one of your tiles down on the board. Uh, If you don't cover anything, uh, that's basically your move. If you don't cover any uh, fish shapes on the board, uh, that's pretty much your move and and you're done. The move moves over to the next player. If you place your shape over an existing animal that's, or not animal, I keep saying animal, an existing uh, sea creature uh, that's on the board. For example, if you cover up a part of a shark, uh, then what you have to do is you have to do the action associated with uh, the creature that you covered up. And what I mean by that is that if it's a shark, what you do is you roll a die that has all the different shapes on it, and then it's got a starfish and a shark on it, so it's six-sided die. Uh, you roll this die, and whatever creature that it rolls upon, you basically have to remove from your personal supply. Hopefully, you have it in your personal supply. If not, then you have to discard one of of your uh, fish eggs that you have. Uh, if you run out of your fish eggs, you're not, basically knocked out of the game. And then the remaining players play. If there's nobody else, then the remaining... Or if, the, um, if there's... Uh, only one person left, then they're the winner. If there's more than one person, then uh, they continue playing. If you roll a starfish die, which is pretty much the same die as that, what I just mentioned, you gain that creature or you gain that tile that you roll. So, for example, if you roll a triangle, then you get a triangle out of the general supply and you put it into your personal supply. Uh, if you roll a shark then you lose a fish egg. 
So again, you're getting closer to getting knocked out of the game. And if you roll a starfish, that's kind of like a wild. You get to choose whichever one you want to, uh, to lose or to gain. Then uh, if you cover up one of the fish shapes uh, that are on the board, for example, triangle and quadrangle and all that, then what you wind up doing is you gain that from the supply. So uh, it's a tile laying game of sorts where you put everything down, but it's got a lot more to it than just uh, what you kind of see at initial glance because there's actually a little bit of thought that needs to go into your selection of spots. And that's what really makes this game interesting because in the basic game, uh, which is kind of simplified. It's really good for when you're playing with children. Uh, again, this is a family game, so you can play it with people of all ages. Uh, when you're playing the basic game, it's kind of like, I, I guess, a fish grab of sorts, where you're basically trying to get as much as you can, but you're trying to avoid the sharks. And, oh, and I forgot to mention as well that when you place these tiles down, you have to place it next to an existing tile that's on the board. So you can't just place freely anywhere. So because of this, your your placement is somewhat limited. Um, and with it being next to something, it has to share a side. It can't share points. Uh, so you have to share a side with a tile that's already on the board. So this does limit you where you can place and you really want to stay away from those sharks. You want to stay away from those sharks. So you really have to kind of consider where you're going to be putting your tiles down with the advanced game. This is where things get, the game really has a totally different feel. It's a whole different, uh, mind element, uh, gameplay to the game at this point, because the game is slightly different at this point with the advanced game where you have a player mat and you have one of each of the four shapes of the game, triangle, diamond, quadrangle, hexagon. You have one of each of those. And when you place these down, so if you place the hexagon down, you're done with hexagons for that round. Um, you only have your other three shapes and you, you go around the table until everybody has placed all their shapes. If you can't place a shape, then you're kind of stuck and you lose a fish egg. The, the thing about this variation of the game is that it becomes really thinky because not only are you trying to get shapes uh, to win the game, but you need specific shapes. And what I mean by that is that you have one of each of those four shapes on your player mat for that round, but you also need to source all of all four shapes for the next round. If you don't have it, then it's going to cost you. You're going to lose those those magical fish eggs that you've got. So you not only need to grab those fish shapes, but you need to grab specific ones. It's like, what? Are, okay, I need a hexagon. I don't have a hexagon for the next turn. What am I going to do to get one this turn? If you try to uh, go on top of a starfish and you want to roll that starfish and hopefully gain one that way it's not a sure thing because you could roll another shape and not get the one that you're looking for or worse yet you can roll a shark and sharks all around bad uh, when you try to play something on those things anyway uh, at least on the board so 
it's got quite a bit of variability and the advanced game is so much different than the base game. It, it almost has a totally different feel to it. And I really like how uh, Dr. Finn's games has built all these different um, feels into the game. You can play that light game when you're playing with the family and then you can play that uh, more advanced game when you're looking to play either with your game group or when you're looking for more of a challenge well, hopefully when the, the kids are grown or or when they're uh, in bed and you're and you're playing the game but i really enjoy this game uh, i've played this game with my wife and she's really enjoyed it she's she knows what she likes and a lot of games kind of don't do it for her but she really enjoyed this one she kept asking me to play it again and again and again and uh, i gladly did so because i enjoyed this game uh well enough myself so uh, this game's out on Kickstarter right now. I'll definitely give it a shot. I've done a video for Dr. Finn's games for this game where I, I went through a pretty good explanation of uh, what this game uh, is like. I it was using the prototype components, so the components that Dr. Finn's games has come up with since then are awesome. I love the art that they've done for this game. So uh, definitely give that a shot. Uh, it's pretty close to being funded at the time of this uh of the time of this recording but uh yeah definitely check that out so overall i really enjoy this game a lot uh definitely would recommend this it's not really for the hardcore euro game crowd it's a little bit of a lighter game but it can uh kind of go in family territory and it can go into like medium weight uh fun games so uh definitely give it a shot check out the kickstarter page and uh hopefully give it a pledge the next game to discuss is Uchronia. Hopefully I said that right, or Utrania. I believe it's Uchronia. Uh, this was a game that was released in 2012 by Yellow, designed by Carl Chudik. Uh Carl designed a whole bunch of games, including uh, Innovation and uh, also uh, Glory to Rome, I believe, as well. Uh, this is a game for two to five players. Plays in about an hour, and again, an hour uh, is really quick for this game. You'll definitely play it longer on your first run through. And it's for 14 and up, and with good reason. This is a card game. It's very similar to Glory to Rome if, uh, if you've played that game. So it's got hand management, and it's got a board on the table that you use for various things. The, the cards have different purposes, depending on what you're trying to do. Basically, in this game, you're the patriarch of the great Ukronian noble house, competing for or with other uh, houses that uh, commit their wealth to building the city, enriching it with new constructions, and striving to win over the people. Uh, box and bits for this game are pretty nice. I love the art for this. They, uh, Yellow has done a really nice job with this, especially in comparison to uh, Glory to Rome, which sort of has... Mm, so-so uh, art, in my opinion. I guess that so-so is uh, being kind. <laughs> color blindness is kind of an issue for this game. The colors are not as... Mm, they don't contrast as much as uh, I would like. Uh, there is... I don't know what color you would call it. It's like some pinkish or something color that can kind of blend in with uh, the black, gray, whatever color it is, and there's like an orange. It's, these colors are kind of a mess for me. Uh, with the right lighting, it's not as bad, at least for my eyes. Uh, 
And for other people, it might be worse. This is kind of a, a big deal with this game, and I usually find myself asking, is this this color? Is this this color uh, throughout the, the playtime of the game? Uh, the insert on it's pretty nice, uh, you know, typical card insert. There are two different kinds of cards. So you've got that really small size, um, the, the little mini cards. There's a huge stack of them. This thing is probably like two, three inches tall. So there's a lot of those cards. And there's these large square cards that are the building cards. And I, I kind of don't like square cards. I find them hard to shuffle. And what happened with this game, at least with a copy that I got, is that the square building cards uh, didn't get the corners rounded. So when you get the game, it's uh, a square card, <laughs> a purely square card. So there was one day that I just went through and I got one of those little uh, blue and white uh, corner rounders. I forget what company makes them. But uh, things maybe about an inch and a half square with a big white button on top. So I just went through and I clipped all the corners with that thing. It was really tedious, but it took about maybe 15 minutes. Yeah, something like that uh, to do. And it was well worth the uh, time invested to do that. Because after I rounded the corners, I found it much easier to shuffle the cards. Not as... Uh, is easy as the rectangular cards, but uh, it's not bad for the square cards. The rule book is uh, is pretty nice. It's not a very big rule book. Um, there's not that many rules uh, in the game. Uh, the game basically is two things that you're doing per turn. You're either plotting or you are um, playing a card. That's it. It doesn't seem like much, but the game is as confusing as all get out when you first try to play this game. Uh, it just does not make sense until uh, until you probably get three quarters of the way through. Then you might f finally kind of get in a groove and you kind of uh, look back and go, what was my problem? Why didn't I understand this game? Why didn't this make sense? Because afterwards, it, it seems all so easy and, and uh, makes sense. Again, artwork was uh, pretty good. Overall production of this game was uh, really, really good. I guess your typical uh, yellow production, which is uh, very, very nicely done. Again, uh, rule book is about four pages long. Uh, it's literally, mm, I don't know, uh, front cover, back cover, and then two inside covers. Does it need more? Probably, because uh, I would really have loved to see a lot more examples, just because how different this game is. And if you're familiar with any of his other games, you kind of know that Carl tends to make games that are not your typical games, or at least the mechanics of them are not typical. Uh, so this can uh, definitely make it a little challenging to learn at first. Definitely do not try to read the manual for this thing and learn it while you're playing. That is going to be a disaster. It will be a, a full-on disaster. Okay, so gameplay in this game uh, is you have two different types of cards. The big square cards are buildings, and then the uh, small mini cards are essentially uh, a number of different, um, I guess, resources 
maybe. Uh, there's production, explore, trade, draconian, and there was one more that is escaping me right now. What was it? Okay, so we've got production, exploration, draconian, trade, and construction. For the game, you have a little board in front of you, which uh, serves a whole bunch of different purposes. On, on the one side, you have buildings that are in construction. Uh, that's the right side. Then the left side, you have completed buildings. At the top, you have activities. Uh, basically, what those are is kind of like their action, doubler, tripler, tripler, quadruplers, whatever you want to call it. You have your stock down at the bottom. And then you have a command uh, spot uh, on the board itself. So when you play, you have a hand of five cards, at least when you start off. You have a hand of five cards. And then you have two abilities, essentially, or two things that you can do. Uh, one is to uh, place a command card down on your board, meaning you want to produce, explore, do the draconian action, you want to trade, you want to do construction. Or you can plot, which is to copy the action or copy the order of somebody else uh, within the game. But you can only do that if you have an activity card that matches that action. So in the beginning, you're really not going to be doing much plotting. You're going to be just uh, placing orders. However, if you do plot, you can also uh, draw up to five cards. Or rather, you can draw cards up until you have a hand of five cards. Uh, so that's basically how you replace cards in your hand. Um, you can also plot without doing an action if you don't have an activity card of somebody and just draw the cards. So you don't need the activity card uh, per se. The other thing you can do, again, is to, uh, to do an order. And then the different cards do different things. So a production lets you take a card from the forum, which is... Uh, the, all these cards in the center of the table and you place it into your stock. Explore lets you take a card from your hand and put it into your stock. Trade lets you move a card from your stock into your activities uh, area, which basically are card doublers, triplers, quadruplers, etc. And then you have uh, the construction ability, which uh, lets you start building a building or to continue building a building by moving resources from your stock onto a building until it's built. And the buildings will usually have a number on them in the upper left-hand corner that serves two purposes. It's the points value uh, at the end of the game for that building. So for example, if it's two, it's worth two points. And also that you need two of that particular card's color to build that building. So if it's a blue building, which is the trade color, you need two trade stocks or two blue stocks moved from your stock area onto the building in order to complete construction of it and be able to uh, score that building at the end of the game. Then the buildings also give you all these different abilities Meaning like uh, some will might have you be able to do an extra ability or uh, give you special points at the end of the game. So there are different ways to kind of change uh, the rules of the game. And uh, they're definitely what kind of makes the game interesting and makes the game really pick up towards the end of the game. Initially, the game's a little kind of slow as people are getting their little building engine going. 
but then later on it really goes quickly. Um, let's see. I, that's pretty much uh, the, the big gist of the game. I, I do want to reiterate that when you first start playing this game, it just makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, you're, you're, you literally have no idea what you're doing. One of the guys that I was playing with was just like that. I mean, I'm surprised he he didn't give up. He was definitely a trooper for sticking through there. And in the end, he was really close to winning, which, uh, you know, great for him was, uh, uh, you know, quite an achievement. But uh, the game is very difficult to grasp initially. But after you get through at least half the game, it starts to click and you really see that it's not that bad of a game. It's just so different. It's unlike a lot of other games. Well, it's unlike anything unless you <laughs> unless you play Glory to Rome. Then it's uh, sort of similar to that. Now, uh, there have been a lot of comparisons between this and, and Glory to Rome. I, I think it's kind of like a sleeker Glory to Rome. I, I love the art a lot better. Uh, a lot of people tend to be kind of put off by the art of Glory to Rome. And... Uh, I mean, that was definitely the case with uh, the reason why that uh, Kickstarter version of the game came about was the, the, the black version. Or I forget what it was called, but the one with the very minimalistic art on it. Although I personally preferred the Glory to Rome art to over that one and uh, Uchronia definitely over uh, both of those. But uh, yeah, the game is uh, difficult to pick up, but it's definitely worth it. The game is a lot of fun. Uh, it's along the, uh, the same lines of innovation where it, it's such a different game, but when you get it, you're like, man, this game is pretty sweet. It's pretty fun. Uh, it's so different. It kind of has you thinking about it after the fact, uh, about how the game uh, went down and what you could have done differently. And I found myself really looking forward to playing the next game of the game. So uh, that's uh, Uchronia. Uh, kind of an interesting little theme. Uh, when I play the game, I, I, I definitely don't really get a, a sense of, uh, of the creatures in there. I, I really don't look at <laughs> the art on, on the cards all too much because I find myself just more engrossed in uh, what's going where and what I can do next. But the art is pretty nice. I, I would recommend this game to... Um, uh, probably more hardcore gamers or mid-level gamers that are looking for something different. Uh, it's definitely not a casual game. Uh, it's definitely not something you want to play with little kids, for sure. I mean, you're <laughs> that's uh, you're, you're you'll have better luck hurting cats than uh, trying to teach a, a little kid to play. Older kids will probably grasp it uh, pretty good, but uh, Uchronia is uh, something that I definitely enjoy. I would definitely recommend it to people, but uh, not for just anybody. Uh, if you like uh, Glory to Rome, you might not like this game all too much. You might think it's a little bit watered down, but uh, I prefer it personally, and that's just me. So uh, double thumbs up for Uchronia. Moving on, we've got Asante. Asante was uh, a 2013 release from Z-Man Games. It was designed by Rudiger Dorn. Two-player only game. It's part of the, I believe, the Cosmos two-player line. So it's got that uh, typical form factor box. Uh, it's uh, kind of like Jambo 2.0, um, I guess is uh, one way that you can consider it. Uh, playing time is about 40 minutes, ages 12 and up. 
It's a uh, card game, hand management, kind of a economic game. So it's like hand management and a little bit of uh, economy in there, thrown in there. Uh, the gist of the game is players are dealers in an African marketplace, buying and selling furs, silk, jewelry, fruits, tea, and salt in order to make the most money possible, which is, I guess, what uh, people do in Africa. Anyway, uh, it's a, a pretty it's a pretty good game. I, I enjoyed it. It's very much like Jambo. If you've got Jambo, I don't know if it's worth getting this game. If you really like Jambo, uh, you can almost think of it as an expansion because this game you can mix in with Jambo. Uh, Asante and Jambo can be mixed in together. Uh, the cards, uh, Jambo, I think, had two expansions, two uh, card deck expansions. So you can mix those expansions with this, uh, mix this with the Jambo base game, however you want to do it. Um, the cards are, actually, the whole game is pretty colorblind friendly. Um, there uh, are some bits that you do get to punch out, uh, which is all of the goods. That's the furs, silk, jewelry, fruits, tea, and salt. And uh, uh, those punched out pretty clean for me. Uh, there's uh, those bits and, and money. Uh, the insert's pretty good. It doesn't seem to hold all of the uh, the little tiles, the, the goods, and the money all too well. It's a little on the small side. So what I'll probably wind up doing with this game is uh, making my own insert out of foam core. By the way, that's something that I've kind of been uh, exploring lately, and uh, I think I'm going to start doing that for more and more of my games. And it's actually kind of a little bit of a challenge, too. It's a fun challenge to actually design one uh, and then get it built, and you look at it like, yeah, I did that. This is a cool insert. And then you put your game in there and probably never play the game again. But uh, so I'll probably make my own insert for this thing. The quality of the components is uh, really nice. Uh, very pleased with the uh, card quality, the, the thickness of the counters, not counters, the uh, the, the goods and the money. Uh, the rules are pretty good. A uh, little fold-out rule book uh, explains the game pretty well. Again, it's not that complicated of a game, but uh, the, the rules uh, do a really nice job. Artwork on the game is fantastic. It was... Uh, done by Michael Menzel. And uh, if you know Michael Menzel uh, and his artwork, uh, enough said. <laughs> you know how good this art is done. Uh, Michael Menzel is uh, one of my favorite uh, artists uh, out there for board games. He just does fantastic, fantastic work. And uh, he makes some pretty good games too, or game. Uh, he did uh, Legends of Andor. Anyway, uh, the rule book, six pages, uh, easy to read, colorful, um, uh, pretty well done. Got some examples in there. Uh, the goal of the game is to earn money. Simple enough. Uh, the person with the most money wins. Uh, you basically go through and um, you have a market, very similar as in Jambo. You have a, what was it, a, a six uh, location market that you can get goods uh, from the supply. And there's a limited amount of supplies uh, as well, so they're, they're not unlimited. Uh, you have a limited amount of uh, supplies, and you have a limited amount of space in your market. And uh, what does that mean? Well, you have to do some management. You can't just get anything. In other words, you can't load up with silk, and then uh, all of a sudden you can't unload it. That, yeah, that's a very, very poor 
uh, management of your uh, of your market. Basically, what you do is uh, on the cards that you have in the game, you'll have uh, goods cards or resource cards, which will have a number of different things on them. So, for example, it'll have a, a fur, a silk, and a piece of jewelry. And then there's two numbers. In the lower left-hand corner is how much money it costs to buy those three. And what you do is you pay the money, and then you buy those three. So, again, I, th- I believe I said fur, silk, and jewelry. If you purchase that, let's say for two, you pay the two bucks and then you take those three tiles and you place them in your market. If you don't have the room for them, you can't get them. You just have to remember that. And then what you do is at least to earn money is you get another card, which hopefully, let's say if it has um, silk and jewelry, It'll have a purchase cost and a sell cost. The sell cost is on the right-hand side. And then you would, let's say, sell those two things that you just that you got three earlier. Now you're selling two of them. You might sell those two for $5, uh, at which point you discard that card. You take your two things, put them back in a supply, and you collect five money. Uh, the person who gets to a set amount of money is the winner. Uh, in addition to the goods cards... Uh, that I just talked about. There's also uh, artifacts, people, and animals, which is uh, somewhat similar to Jambo. Uh, the animals and the people uh, affect the players somehow. So as an example, one card might um, wipe out somebody's market, or actually there's one card where you, when you play this action, you flush your card out, or you, I'm sorry, you flush your market out, and you copy your opponent's market. So if you've got one thing in there, you know you can clear that thing out and, and get five that your opponent has, which is a quick way to gain things. Uh, some of those things are bad. Some things are good, or good for you, or bad for the opponent. But you can play these cards on anybody, technically. Uh, there's also some holy places uh, cards in front of you, and there's three of them, uh, which are essentially three different locations that you can play artifacts on. And artifacts are essentially a changing ability that sticks with you from uh, round to round. And what I mean by that is, as an example, you might get something that gives you... Um, not an extra action, but um, it, it let's say just, I, I can't think of anything right now. It just lets you do a certain action. And what you can do is you can do that and then tap the card. And then next turn, you untap and you have it available for you. So it's like having a card in your hand that you get, that you don't have to discard. You can use it from turn to turn. And uh, uh, I did kind of leave out a very important thing in this game. And that's that uh, every turn, uh, how it functions is this. You have the ability to do five different actions um, per turn, okay? And in the beginning, you can draw a card. So your first action would be to draw a card, and you can look at it. If you decide to keep it, you're done drawing cards. You now move into the play action or play cards phase. Uh, if you don't like that card, you can discard it. You can use your second action to draw another card. And you can keep going this way until you uh, 
either a keep a card or you run out of actions, you run out of your five actions. Uh, if you are done with your actions, then the next person goes. If you're if you've moved on from the drawing card phase, let's say you did that on your second action, you kept that second card, you can now have three actions that you can do in the play card phase. At this point, you can buy, you can sell, you can play a card to the table, artifact, whatever you want to do. And uh, that's something that's kind of interesting because it uh, kind of leaves you open to kind of do whatever you want. And you can do five things of whatever you want. Some cards like have extra actions, you get benefits. If you uh, have two uh, actions left, like you get money, if you don't use up all your actions, there's, there's a whole bunch of variability in this thing. And you can play the game smart, you can play it um, not so smart if you just go through burning up all your actions. But uh, the games are really interesting. It, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of a, a lighter game. Uh, it's one that uh, I enjoy well enough. It's not something that I'd probably just be clamoring to get to the table. But, but it is a fun game, don't get me wrong. It's uh, basically uh, more Jambo. If you like Jambo, you'll probably like this game. Uh, if you don't like Jambo, you can probably go elsewhere. And uh, if you don't like Jambo, you, you don't go into this game thinking that you'll find something interesting in it. Because, like I said, it's it's more Jambo. It's really kind of like the third expansion to the game. Or a stand, it's, or here's, here's, here's a good way to look at it. It's a standalone expansion to Jambo. Uh, the game's good. Uh, it's another fine two-player game in the Cosmos line. Uh, I'd recommend it for couples gamers. And if you like Jambo, uh, definitely give this thing a shot. And uh, it's fun enough to you know play and um, use up like half an hour in the afternoon. And then move on to something maybe a little more meatier. So that's Asante. Uh, definitely uh, recommend this one only to certain people. Then the next game is Blueprints. Uh, this is a game released in 2013 by Z-Man. Uh, it was designed by uh, Yves uh, Torigny. Uh, plays two to four people in about 30 minutes, ages 12 and up. Uh, this is a game that I was really kind of stoked about uh, initially. I, I couldn't wait for the game. It looked really interesting because it's a dice and board slash card game all in one where what you've got in the game is you've got all these cards uh, that you get, you get uh, one card drawn and then it's got a shape on the card. Uh, then you use that shape as a foundation to build a building out of dice. And uh, this was really appealing to me and I, I really couldn't wait to get my hands on this thing. Uh, city building is something that I always kind of, found interesting and I love dice games and uh, this looked really cool just being able to stack these dice in these different configurations uh, trying to you know match what whatever that particular card is requiring you to do. Uh, style of game I would consider this uh, a very loose city building style of game. Uh, quick rundown is uh, players are architects who must use different colored dice to build um, three different structures from blueprints uh, with three different structures. It means there's three rounds in the game. So uh, to build three different structures from blueprints with the dice providing different advantages. 
and these uh, dice uh, are uh, there's a couple different kinds. Um, there's one's glass, then there's recycle. Uh, I forget what the other two are. So there's different uh, four different kinds of dice in the game, and and they get uh, pointed out differently. Uh, so the components in the game are are pretty nice. The box uh, is I don't know a little bit on the small side. It kind of fits the game. But it, it seems to be a tiny bit on the small side. Uh, there was uh, some nice foam core inserts that people made for this thing. I don't know if I'll go that far with this game. But uh, uh, it, it is a little bit uh, on the small side. It's uh, reasonably colorblind friendly. The quality, quality of the game is pretty good. Good card quality, nice dice. Uh, there is a bag that uh, this game comes with for the dice you know it's one of those not quite courier style but uh, you place all the dice in the bag and then you draw from the bag and this bag that the game comes with this is going to be something that is kind of going to be a stickler for a lot of people that have this game or at least the ones that play it it suffers from the bag syndrome or the dice bag or component bag syndrome where i don't know what a lot of publishers think when they design these games or when they uh, source the components for these games. But this is another one where this bag is small. It, it's barely enough to fit the dice, and it's definitely pretty challenging, at least for me to get my hand in there. And that was kind of a, a big pain point for when we were playing the, this game. And uh, we wound up using a bowl. So I went over into the kitchen, and I got a, not a huge bowl, but I got one with big enough sides where you couldn't see in there. And we just dumped all the dice in there and we didn't use the bag at all. So the bag is kind of uh, disappointing. Uh, I don't know if they'll ever uh, fix this thing because uh, there's quite a few games that have had this issue with uh, the tiny bag. I don't know, maybe just uh, I've got big hands or something. I don't know. But uh, the, the bag is itty bitty, kind of a, a letdown. I, I definitely give them a thumbs down on that. Otherwise, the component quality is pretty good. Uh, the rules for the game uh, are uh, pretty simple, pretty straightforward. I can't really say too much about that. The art on it is actually uh, pretty well done. Definitely give them a thumbs up in the art department. The box looks pretty sharp. I like the coloring. I can't say there's any colorblind issues, really at least that I had. Uh, the game is very extremely easy to pick up. Uh, what you wind up doing is you have a card uh, that's placed down in front of you behind a screen that is the building that you need to build. And you'll have six dice that you'll use uh, to build the building. So uh, all of the buildings are essentially six dice uh, in size and in some form or another. Uh, various heights to the different areas of the building, different uh, shapes, etc. Some will be L-shaped, some will be um, very various combinations. And what you'll do is you'll go through and you'll draw dice uh, and uh, put them out in front of you and you'll uh, build your building. Uh, there's four different kinds of dice. There's glass, wood, recycle, and... There was a black one, which uh, actually is escaping me right now. Ah, yes, it's stone. So it's uh, recycle, wood, 
glass, and stone dice. Uh, each one of those is scored differently, so the ultimate uh, placement of it that you wind up using will be, of course, different uh, depending on the scores uh, that you want to uh, accomplish. Uh, in terms of scoring, how they get scored is basically this. So the wood dice, which are the orange dice, uh, those get scored by, or they get scored individually, and it's two points per die that's adjacent to the orange die being served. And dice are adjacent if they share a face, so they're not adjacent if uh, they touch corners. Green is uh, recycle. Uh, that one scores a point uh, anywhere from 2, 5, 10, 15, 20, or 30, uh, depending on the amount of these dice that you have. Black, each die is scored individually. The black die is scored worth 2, 3, 5, or 8 points, uh, beginning on the first, second, third, or fourth higher level of a building. So basically, the higher the building, the more the die is worth. And then the glass, which is the clear dies, dice, uh, uh, basically score each one of those individually, and it's worth the value of the number on the top. So a one is worth one, and if it shows a six, then it's worth six. And uh, the placement of these dies really doesn't uh, matter. In other words, if a die is covering up another die, they still score uh, appropriately. So what you, again, wind up doing is you're drawing dice and you're placing them on your building card behind your screen up until all the dice are used up. And then uh, at which point everybody kind of removes their screens and you score. Uh, they s recommend that you score them in the order that I just read them, orange, green, black, and clear. And then uh, there's a couple extra cards that you have where you can score two points for having the tallest building and, and some, some other stuff like that. And uh, if you win, then you also get uh, an extra card. So basically, if you um, win, you get extra points. Who, who, who would have thought of that? Well, I suppose I should clarify <laughs> the winning portion, and that's uh, that if you have the, um, let's say like in a two-player game, you get an award, a silver award for the highest score. If you have a three-player game, you get a gold award for the highest score, and second highest score gets a silver, and then the high, in a four-player game, the gold goes to the highest score. Silver goes to the second highest score, and then uh, bronze goes to the third highest score. And those awards, gold gives you three points, a silver gives you two points, and bronze gives you one. So um, overall, the game is, um, I, I wanted it to be a lot more than it actually was. And in some respects, the game was actually uh, a little disappointing uh, to me. I found the game to be rather methodical, kind of mechanical. You were really going through the motions. I, I didn't find a whole lot of fun in the game. And again, it was such a letdown. It looked so interesting, looked so cool. You're just putting the dice, you know, building buildings on cards and dice. And the dice are actually really nice quality. Um, but the gameplay is just okay. It's, it's, it's uninteresting. It's 
again, methodical and mechanical is the best way I can really term it. You're, you're just going through and you're doing it. And it's like, okay, I, I have the, the highest score. I get this other card that gives me more points. And there's these cards on the table for building the highest structure that nobody ever seems to get. Because if you build your highest structure, you don't, you're not building your building. So you don't get the points from your building. And it, it just seems like an odd little game that comes together in in such an odd fashion that it's it's not fun. I, I don't know if it was just not fully play tested. I I'm sure it was because it's a Z-Man release. They just at least my experience hasn't been that they release uh, things that just were you know unfettered or whatever or un uh, unproven, but. I was really surprised just that uh, the game was just okay. And it, is it something that I would recommend? Probably not. If if the game looks interesting to you, I would definitely play it. Don't buy it. Just play it, and then you'll probably get the, the buying urge uh, out of your system. Again, I, I don't want to trash this game. I, I had such high hopes for it, and I'm, I'm really disappointed by it. Yeah, so uh, I'm not going to go into too much more detail on it, um, but uh, that was Blueprints. So that was uh, the last of the games that I really wanted to talk about uh, for this episode, at least the the, the new games that I'm going to talk about in detail. Uh, the next section is uh, uh, I was out in uh, Detroit, uh, and I still am as of this recording, but uh, my work's taking me to Detroit right now. And uh, I went through BGG and I kind of looked around to see what I could find in Detroit uh, in terms of gaming. And there was a little bit. Uh, the one store that kind of stood out amongst uh, all of the others was RIW Hobbies in Liv- Livonia, which is kind of northwestish, I guess, of, of Detroit. So uh, I had a little bit of time uh, in, uh, in an afternoon here to... Uh, kind of head out in that direction. It wasn't too far from where I was staying and, and the customer that I was visiting. So uh, I got out there with a co-worker of mine <laughs> who was uh, dragged with me uh, unknowingly what he was getting himself into. But it was uh, a nice little ride uh, down Five Mile Road. It's This is something that I'm not really used to. Everything's like five mile, 11 mile, and, and so forth, uh, just like in, in those movies. And in the songs, I guess. But uh, uh, the store is in a little strip mall with a, a big white sign. And uh, we pulled up over there. There wasn't too many people inside. But uh, it was uh, a pretty nice little game store. I was uh, very pleasantly surprised. Uh, the staff is uh, definitely friendly. Uh, the day that I was out there, um, there was a gentleman behind the counter who was uh, talking with some other uh, patrons of the store. Uh, very friendly, good discussion. Uh, my coworker and I were just kind of browsing through the store, just checking it out. I always like to go to these stores to see what I can find, uh, things that uh, maybe uh, I haven't found locally uh, that uh, I've kind of had my eye out for quite some time or sometimes even that jewel that's been sitting dusty on the shelf that nobody locally wants to buy and then I'll snap it up right away. Even better if there's a ding and dent section, like when I was out in uh, 
uh, was it One-Eyed Jackson, Richmond? Oh, fantastic story with Ding and Dent. But anyway, uh, here I'm talking about R.I.W. Hobbies. Um, so the uh, the store was definitely a pleasant surprise. They had a huge board game selection. I was very pleasantly surprised. They seemed to have kind of one of everything. Uh, a lot of the, the major titles uh, that you'd come to expect in a store. And uh, there were some titles that I was actually really surprised to see, pleasantly surprised to see. These are some titles that you don't normally find in most stores. Uh, ones that a lot of people tend to kind of get from Germany uh, and, and so forth. Uh, but granted, it wasn't a huge selection of those. It was just like, oh, wow, I'm really surprised to see that here. That was kind of my reaction to some of these games. Uh, there's a very long board game section along the left wall uh, as you're as you're going in. And there's a couple of gondolas of games, uh, a new releases section right up in the store, which uh, I hoped it would be a little bit bigger, but they still had some decent stuff, uh, at least that was uh, released in the not-too-distant past. And right now we're kind of in a weird time anyway. It's kind of like that post-holiday era area where there isn't a whole ton of stuff being released uh, after that craziness from Essen. Because once Essen rolls through, then it just seems like title after title after title is making it over into the United States. And then there's that lull before we start getting into the convention times once again. But anyway, they had a really good selection of, of titles for board games. They had a lot of cards, magic, uh, they had miniatures, and so forth. I, I was really pleasantly surprised about this uh, store. I would definitely recommend it. Um, I know I'm going to be out in the Detroit area once again, and uh, I'll probably stop by there again and uh, definitely see uh, if, if I can see anything different over there. Hopefully the inventory's changed a little bit over uh, the, the time that uh, I have between visits. So uh, RIW Hobbies in Livonia, Michigan, uh, definitely gets a thumbs up. Uh, one of the better stores that I've uh, had the pleasure of visiting on my travels. Going on to the 20 shows ago section, uh, back in on May 20th, 2012, uh, at episode 11, uh, there was uh, a pretty good discussion about uh, Stefan Feld's games. And of course, I'm hoping that you've heard of Stefan Feld. Uh, he's designed just so many, so many fantastic games over the years. Definitely one of my favorite uh, designers. Uh, in this game, or I'm sorry, in this episode, uh, we had talked about a bunch of his games, including Notre, Notre Dame, Notre Dame, or however you want to say it, Macau, Strasbourg, Castles of Burgundy, Rialto, uh, Trajan, Keischbecker, and Speicherstadt. Now, Stefan Feld just makes some fantastic games. And I'll go through a couple of these things. And uh, I, I, I just gush about a lot of these games, and I, I really enjoy them. I'll, I'll start off with Speicherstadt. So Schmeigerstadt is a game that uh, is up on Yucata, uh, uh, de of course, uh, available as an online version. And uh, although some of their games tend to run, uh, some of the Yucata games tend to run uh, a little painfully long, and this one's kind of on the borderline. It's not horrible to play, but if you've got somebody that is uh, not taking their turns frequently. The game just tends to drag on. You're just uh, going on and on and on. So anyway, with uh, Spikerstadt, 
uh, what you're basically doing is it starts off kind of as an auction game where you're placing meeples uh, at the bottom of these buildings. And then uh, kind of like the last meeple standing wins uh, what whatever the uh, particular prize is. And uh, you get uh, some card management. You get some resource management, uh, the little auction action thrown in. Uh, it was... Uh, it's it's a definitely a, a fun game. I, I really enjoy it. I, I recommend it uh, to just about anybody. It's a lot of fun. It's an older game, but definitely check it out. It's still worthy of being played uh, today. And uh, another one that we had talked about was uh, Kai Specker. Kai Speaker. Kai Speaker. Anyway, this is an expansion to Speakerstadt. Speakerstadt. And... It is something that is very tough to find in an English release, uh, seemingly. Uh, I was lucky enough to snag up an English copy. I think I got it from uh, Amazon.de, if I remember correctly. But I was able to find a copy of this thing. And uh, man, am I lucky I grabbed this thing when I did. Because a lot of people are having a really tough time sourcing the English version. And they're going with the European version uh, of the game. Uh, what this does is it adds uh, kind of a new twist to the game. It adds some metal coins uh, to use as well, which I'm kind of mixed on. I'm not sure if I like them all too much. It's just they're so heavy. Uh, they definitely look nice, but they're just like too heavy. Um, I kind of almost like the little uh, cardboard uh, uh, guys a little bit better. But anyway... Uh, if you're looking to spice up the Speckerstock game a little bit, Kai Specker is a fantastic add-on. Definitely recommend. If, if you can find this thing in an English version, grab it. Definitely grab it. Um, if not, then grab the German version, I guess, as well. Uh, Notre Dame, uh, another Notre Dame, Notre Dame is another fantastic game. Uh, can't say uh, any bad thing about it. Although, if I remember right, uh, Jeff didn't, uh, uh, it, it kind of fell on, it fell down on his list just for one reason or another. Macau is another uh, fun little game. You got these little ships that you're moving around. You got these cities. Uh, you know, one thing that I want to say with a whole bunch of these Feld games is that they fall into um, a classification of no clear goal is maybe the best way I can phrase it where there's so much that you can do that when you're first learning the game, when you're first trying to figure out the game, you have no idea what you're doing. You just kind of got to play along, uh, just do your moves and kind of see what happens. Then on subsequent plays, you kind of have a better idea for what you're doing. And uh, a, a lot of these games kind of have that where, in the beginning, it just makes no sense. It's just because you don't have that experience of playing it, and that's how his games are. For example, in Castles of Burgundy, uh, which is another game on this list over here, fantastic game. I love this game. Um, I actually uh, played this one with my wife uh, not too long ago, and Wendy really enjoyed this game. I was really surprised because I thought it would be kind of too much, too many options. Uh, for her to do she generally doesn't like those types of games um, she likes i don't say more linear games but games where 
uh, you don't have like 10 different things that you can do and you need to choose the best one out of those 10. That tends to be a little overwhelming for people sometimes. But um, uh, yeah, Castles of Burgundy is a fantastic, fantastic game. Uh, Macau also has a little bit of that uh, too much stuff going on uh, sometimes, but uh, I like the little boat action and being able to move the boat around. You get these like little wooden boats that you kind of move on these uh, dots across the board. Uh, definitely a fun game. Strasbourg, I only played this one once, and I was kind of mixed on this one a little bit. Um, it uh, it's different. I need to play this one again to get a better sense of of what I what I think about the game. It's uh, on, on this whole list of games. It's probably on on my bottom. <laughs> Uh, between Notre Dame, Macau, Strasbourg, Burgundy, Castles of Burgundy, Rialto, Trajan, Kaisbecker, and Speckerstadt. Rialto is uh, a newer game. I believe this came out, uh, it was really available in the beginning of 2013 or so, but I believe it came out earlier. Um, I didn't care for this one too much. I still had fun with it, but uh, it was just an okay um uh, it was just an okay uh stefan felt game for me uh trajan fantastic wonderful game uh again this one is available on uh, one of the online sites so you can play it online and i believe castles of burgundy is too yeah all of these are fantastic games if you're a stefan feld fan i'm sure you've heard of them i'm sure i'm sure you've played them if you're not a stefan feld fan if you don't know who he is you need to find out who he is and you need to play his games. If you're new to the hobby, uh, definitely give uh, Castles of Burgundy a try. That's a, a wonderful game. So uh, that's uh, 20 shows ago uh, where we talked about Stefan Feld. And um, yeah, I believe that's pretty much about it for uh, this episode of uh, this board game life. Kind of a recap, final thoughts on the different games uh, that I talked about. Uh, first off, we talked about Trieste. This was a three-player game uh, that uh, has, uh, I believe it's called asynchronous play, where each player plays a different role and essentially has a different goal in a different game. They play the game differently. You can technically, uh, once you learn how to play the Thief, for example, you could switch and play the City Watch and kind of have a new game experience altogether with different strategies. It's a really wonderful game. I was pleasantly surprised for it. My only kind of downside to this game is that it's a three-player only game, which is kind of a bummer if you're in that weird situation like I am where three players is kind of just a tough thing to do sometimes. But uh, if your group is uh, larger and you you can break off into three-player uh, teams, definitely, definitely, definitely check this game out. It's, it's wonderful. Uh, Let Them Eat Shrimp. Is currently on Kickstarter from Dr. Finn's Games. Uh, I really enjoy Dr. Finn's Games. I'd recommend that you check this out. It's uh, uh, kind of a, a lighter game. It's definitely a family game. Uh, that's a lot of fun. It's kind of a, a cool little take. On, it's not really area majority, but it's tile laying. And uh, the art is fantastic on the game with uh, what... Doctor, uh, what Stephen has posted on his website. Uh, I really enjoy the art. I really enjoy the gameplay. My wife enjoyed the game, which uh, kind of says a lot because she's uh, a little on the picky side sometimes with games. 
Uh, but uh, yeah, definitely check this game out and consider backing it. Uh, definitely love to see this uh, game published. Then Uchronia is the next game uh, that we talked about. Uchronia is kind of like, uh, I like to think of it as more a more streamlined and prettier version of Glory to Rome. I really enjoy this game. Uh, if you get it, definitely punch the corners. If you get the, uh, the version that does not have the uh, rounded corners, the game is a bear to learn, but definitely stick through it because the game is fantastic. It's a lot of fun. Uh, if you're learning the game, definitely learn it from somebody who's played the game. Uh, Uchronia, I, I really enjoy the game. Uh, highly recommend it. Uh, definitely check it out. Then there's Asante from Z-Man Games. Asante is kind of like a standalone uh, Jambo game, a Jambo expansion. It's a fun game. I don't know if it's uh, really worth getting if you've got Jambo and you're happy with the way that Jambo is. But if you're looking for a little... Uh, more to your Jambo experience, uh, definitely check it out. It's a two-player-only game, just like Jambo. Uh, wonderful art uh, by Michael Menzel. Uh, it's it's a it's a fun game, uh, and a just kind of just okay category. Uh, then uh, finally, I talked about Blueprints from Z-Man Games. Uh, this game was kind of a disappointment to me. I really, really wanted to like the game. I really wanted to like it. It just seemed so cool. And the coloring on it is, is really nice. I, I really, it's really pleasing to the eye. But just the, the gameplay was just kind of dull. It was just boring uh, to me. Other people might like it. it it's just not for me. So uh, I'm kind of disappointed to say that uh, Blueprints get a, gets a thumbs down. If you're interested in checking the game out, definitely play it um, before buying it. Because uh, most likely you probably won't pick it up. And uh, that's it for the games that uh, we talked about. Make sure to uh, check out uh, this board game life on Twitter. It's T Board Game Life or twitter.com slash T Board Game Life and uh, follow T Board Game Life. And also, we've got a b- guild on BGG. And also, make sure to check out the YouTube videos that I'm posting for the video reviews for games. I've got a whole bunch more queued up. I need to get them edited and uh, posted up there. So thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, Again, I'm, I'm Rob with This Board Game Life, and we'll catch you all next time around. 